Uh, does anybody, like, not know what we're going to talk about um, this morning? I, I think I've solved the dilemma as to why some people only come on Christmas and Easter. I mean, you come at Easter time, and you go, well, I, I know what they're going to talk about, right? We're going to talk about Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and nobody ever leaves, like, a Christmas Eve service going, Wow, they talked about the birth of Jesus. I, I never would have thought that before, right? So, so everybody comes and they kind of know what, what you're going to... I think some people have concluded we only have two sermons. We only got two good sermons. One's at Christmas and one's at Easter. And so that's, that's why they come. Well, there's a, there's a little bit more to it than that. In fact, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you today, if you're not a Christian, to give your life to Christ in spite of the fact that you know some Christians. <laughs> in spite of the fact that you work with some Christians. In spite of the fact that you've married a Christian or two or three of them or whatever. Not at the same time, of course, but, but in your lifetime. I, I'm going to give you that opportunity. In spite of the fact that maybe you've had some bad church experiences. Now, here's the deal. Everybody has to figure out, what am I going to do with Jesus? And everybody has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion of Jesus, and everyone puts Jesus into one of about four different categories. Let's see what category you put Jesus in. Category number one, and maybe you've done this, category number one is, I do believe that he's a historical person. I don't think he did the miracles. I don't think he was the Savior. I don't think he was the Messiah. And you know what? He probably got what he deserved, you know, the death, because he was a wannabe. That's category number one. Category number two, I think he was a great man. I think he was a great leader. I think he was a great moral teacher. I'm not sure about the whole Son of God, Messiah thing, but I think he was a great man. It's very sad what happened to him in his life. Category number three, I, I, I think he's the Son of God. I think he's the Messiah. I, I, I think he is, and I, I go more than Christmas and Easter, and I, I come, and I worship, and I like church, and I, I'm kind of in, involved in it, but, but I'm really not all in. I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not all in. I'm, I, I'm mostly in, but, but I'm not all in. Category number four, I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. I'm not, you know, Billy Graham, but, I, but I'm all in. I, 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 I've I believe he's who he said he was, and I lean in, I, I work that way, I, I'm all in. Now, what would keep somebody from being all in? Well, it's what keeps you from being all in in other areas of your life. There are areas of your life where you are all in, and there are areas of your life where you're not all in, right? Well, let's take food, for instance, okay? My, my family eats very healthy. In fact, you know, when, when we were young, and, and well, actually, Danita's still young. She's still very young, but, but when we were younger, um, in fact, she's just a child. She, she's really young. Um, but when we were younger, I mean, she, she cooked, you know, very healthy, and, and like the oldest daughter's a master's in holistic, holistic nutrition, so, you know, she cooks well, and then Emily and Ethan, they live in West Palm, and they both buy and cook, cook really well. I'm the only one in the family that's like not all in, to some of this. And they're all the time like trying to get me to eat asparagus. They have cooked asparagus like nine different ways. Now, how many of you in the room are like me? You do not like asparagus, okay? You are the 144,000 that are going to go make it to heaven right there. That's, that's who gets to go to heaven. 
I think asparagus is food from the Antichrist. I cannot stand. I cannot stand asparagus. So I, I'm not all into that, right? There's always a reason why you're not all into something. Maybe it's saving money. Maybe you've married a spender and you're a saver, or you're a saver and they're a spender. You're not all into the program, right? Or you're a college kid. And before you left home, you were all in to getting a great education. And once you got to college, you discovered that there were some other things that might compete for your interest, right? And so you, all of a sudden, you, you weren't all in to this great academic education program. Well, there's always a reason why people are not all in. But when it comes to Jesus, I just want you to think about this today because you've got to make up your mind, what will you do with Jesus? Either he did or he did not rise from the dead. And everyone in the room has to figure that out. Either he did or he did not rise from the dead. Now, let's begin in a place where we can all are in agreement. Everybody in history is in agreement that Jesus died. Everybody agrees to that. Let me show you this first picture. We were in Israel. Uh, We actually took this picture ourselves. That's called the skull, Golgotha. I'm not sure if Danita took it or I took it, but one of us took the picture. Everybody's in agreement that Jesus was crucified, right? Everybody agrees he was a historical person and he was crucified. We're all in agreement on that. Second picture, we're all in agreement that there was an empty tomb. Again, I don't know if she took it or I took it. I don't know if my child bride took this or if I took this. I'm not sure which of it. But, but one of us took, that's a picture of the empty tomb. Now look, we were actually there. Here's picture number three. I just want to show you we were actually there. And there is the empty tomb beside us. I want you to see how big this tomb is. Next picture. I can't quite stand, I'm six feet. I can't quite stand up inside this tomb. But Danita can, she's 5'8", so it's about 5'8", long. Now I want you to see how big it is, too. There's room for like three more people in this same grave. Now nobody's saying this was the grave, but it's in the area. It's exactly like the, the tomb, and this was a rich man's tomb. It's an incredible experience to see this and, and to be there. Again, the question is, what are you going to do with this? Now, here's what I think. I think a lot of people believe that there's really not a lot of evidence and you have to accept this whole thing on, on some kind of faith. And when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, you kind of got to turn your mind off just a little bit and kind of hope that it all kind of works out. So let me tell you this fictitious story. You've got a friend. And your friend's been sick for a couple of years. Maybe, maybe cancer. And the friend succumbs to cancer and the friend dies. And on Friday afternoon, there's a viewing. And so you've got hundreds of your friends and family members, and hundreds of you are at a Friday evening viewing. And, you know, I always use these two names, Harry and Mary, because those are the name of my grandparents. So I'm going to say Harry. So Harry died. If your name's Harry, I'm really sorry. But, but Harry, Harry, Harry dies, and there's a casket right there, and Harry's in the casket. And there's hundreds of you that go and view the casket. You see Harry. You guys are really close, by the way. How'd you get so close? Everybody brush their teeth up here in the front row. Hope I don't spit on you, okay? Um, Harry dies, and everybody's viewing the casket, and great. Sunday morning is the funeral, and the funeral's Sunday morning, and you set the alarm. It's going to be about an hour away. You set the alarm on your phone, and your batteries die, and you miss it. So you miss the funeral. But everybody was going like to Chili's for lunch. And so you go to Chili's for lunch and you've got this first friend comes into the parking lot and they say, you're not going to believe this. Harry's alive. 
And this friend's kind of a click off, okay? They're kind of a brick shy of a load anyway, and they're just a little weird. And, and so you're going, well, yeah, Harry's alive, of course, you know, because Harry's in heaven. He's in a better place. And, no, 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 Harry's really alive. I saw Harry. And you just kind of back away from that friend a little bit, you know, and, and say, okay, you know, cool, great, you know. Then two more people come in the parking lot, and they come into Chili's, and they say to you, you're not going to believe this. Harry's alive. Well, that's just what she said. Harry's alive. I, and, and these two friends are kind of like drama queens. Again, they're not like real normal. They're very eccentric people. And that's kind of what we th- tend to think is the level or the amount of evidence that there is for the resurrection of Jesus. Do you realize thousands of people saw him? Not one crazy friend, not two kind of drama queens. Thousands and thousands of people saw him. And it wasn't for a fleeting 5 or 10 or 15 seconds that somebody saw him. It was over 40 days. 40 days. 40 days Jesus made post-resurrection appearances. He made a whole bunch of them on Sunday morning, some on Sunday afternoon, some on Sunday night. Eight days later, he appeared to some. Fifteen, seventeen days later, he appeared to others. And up to, tw- up to 20 more days, 40 full days. Now, what do you do with that? And when I'm at Starbucks talking to some of my unchurched friends, and they try to make me look stupid or feel stupid, I turn it back on them. I'm not the idiot. What do you do with all this evidence? Every lawyer could win this case slam dunk. There is so much evidence for the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's it's incredulous. What do you do with that? And everyone has an opinion about Jesus. And what would it take for you to go all in? And at the end of your life... When you've lived your 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years, when you've lived your life, how do you want to look back on your life? Do you want to say, well, I was kind of in, I was partly in, I was sort of in, I was thinking about getting in, I really wasn't in at all? Or do you want to say, you know what, I gave it my all. I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not the fourth member of the Trinity, I'm not the man I should be or the woman I should be, but I gave it my all based on the incredible amount of evidence. And so I want to show you today, for just a few minutes, I want to show you 13 post-resurrection appearances. 13. Amazing. Over 40 days. Thousands and thousands of people saw Jesus. So look in your bulletin. I'm going to fill these in kind of quickly. As you're turning to your bulletin, I want to show you this first kind of precursor verse out of Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. And, and here's the deal. Nobody's expecting a resurrection. After the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, why were they going to the tomb? Why were the women going to the tomb? Because Jesus was dead. No one went to the tomb expecting Jesus to be alive. There wasn't a choir. There wasn't a band. There wasn't a countdown. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. The sun comes over the top. The angel rolls the stone away. And everybody shouts hallelujah. Nobody thought Jesus was alive. Nobody thought he was alive. So let's look at these 13 kind of quickly. Here's the first one. The first one's to Mary Magdalene. Now, I wouldn't have done this. Mary Magdalene's a click off. Mary Magdalene had seven demons. 
If I was writing this story and I was making up the story, I certainly wouldn't start with her. Okay? Look at the scripture verse. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. How credible a witness is she? Number, parents number two. Jesus appeared to Salome and to Mary, the mother of James. Here's two other ladies. These are like pretty high drama women as well. Look at the scripture verse for this. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and they worshiped him. And the context here is about these two women. Parents number three. Jesus appeared to Peter. Look at a verse for this. It is true. The Lord has risen. And he's appeared to Simon. That's the word for Simon Peter. Luke chapter 24, verse 34. It is true. We've got three appearances so far. I think most people don't realize there were 13. I think most people think it was just for a couple of seconds on a Sunday morning. I don't think most of us realize it was over 40 days. What do you do with that? Number four, appearance number four. Jesus appeared to two men. Danita asked me this morning, she said, what are the names of those two people? I said, we don't know. They're called unnamed. These two men on, the, on, on that Sunday afternoon, Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. He appears to them. We don't know their names, but here's the scripture verse. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's who they are. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Look at the next appearance. Next appearance was to the apostles, except for Thomas. I love Thomas. Thomas is cool. I ain't believing this. You guys are crazy. I love this. People don't rise from the dead. Thomas, to me, adds to the story. Look at the scripture verse for this. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. But Thomas wasn't there. The next verse. Jesus appeared to the apostles with Thomas. It's eight days later. Eight days later, here we have now, Jesus is going to show up with Thomas. Look at this verse. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas then said, oh, my goodness, my Lord and my God. An amazing passage of Scripture. Look at the next appearance. Jesus appeared to seven of his disciples at one time, and they're called by name. Look at their names. Uh, afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Now we're 70 miles north. We've gone from Jerusalem to 70 miles north. It happened this way. Simon Peter, there's one. Thomas, Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. They were all together. They are named. The appearances are specific. Look at the next, next appearance. Jesus appeared to the apostles and to the crowds. This comes from Matthew. Matthew says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain. Now, what mountain are we talking about? The same mountain where he delivered the Sermon on the Mount, probably, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Who worshiped him? Most of the people, the apostles and most of the crowd. But some in the crowd are going, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do with him. I'm not sure he's the real deal or not. Says that some doubted. Look at the next appearance. Jesus appeared to over 500 people. I like this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that at one time, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at one occasion. Wasn't one person, wasn't two people, over five. What do you do with that? What do you do with that amount of evidence? Look at the next verse. 
He appeared also to his brother James. Now let me ask you this question. What would it take to convince your brother that you are the son of God? I got a brother. He's seven years younger than me. He loves me, but he knows I'm not the son of God, right? And I know he's not. This is his half-brother James. What would it take? But his half-brother James was convinced after the resurrection that Jesus was the Messiah. Look at the verse. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Look at the next appearance. Jesus appeared to the apostles and he ate a meal with them. It wasn't a ghost. He ate a meal with them. Look at this. After his sufferings, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs. Now, I like that, folks. Many convincing proofs. He gave many convincing proofs. There's not a lack of evidence for people not to believe. There's just a lack of will. He gave many convincing evidence, many convincing proofs that he was alive. The next one. We've got one more. Jesus ascended into heaven. This is a cool one. Look at this verse. This is in Acts. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And the very last appearance was to a man named Saul of Tarsus, who was a heathen, who was killing Christians, who was converted and became known as the Apostle Paul. And so I love this. Jesus appears to, the, to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, and basically it changed his entire life. Now, here's the point for this morning. Either he did or he did not rise from the dead. Say that with me. Either he did or he did not rise from the dead. With a little more enthusiasm. Ready? Either he did or he did not rise from the dead. That's it, folks. That's really it. And if he didn't, then I am wasting my time. And you are wasting your time this morning. We could be at the beach, okay? But if he did, if he did rise from the dead, that changes everything. And I want to challenge you just one more thought. If you were making up this story, wouldn't you have written a better story? I mean, if I was writing the story and it wasn't true, I would never have Jesus' first appearance be to a woman who had seven demons cast out of her. No way. I I would never have it to have Simon Peter, who's the guy. I mean, Simon Peter's the main guy. Simon Peter's going to become the head of the church. I wouldn't have the main guy have disbelief, doubt, and betray, would you? I'd have the main guy going, you know what, James and John, they didn't believe, but I believe, man, I knew it was going to happen. I was there. I was ready for it. I mean, if you're writing this story, you're going to write a better story. How do they go from cowards to courageous? Before the resurrection of Jesus, they're running for their lives. After the resurrection of Jesus, they are standing toe-to-toe with Caiaphas, toe-to-toe with Annas, toe-to-toe with the Sanhedrin, toe-to-toe with the elders and chief priests who put Jesus to death, who could put them to death. And they're saying, listen, you do what you want to do, but we know this is true. We have seen the resurrected Jesus. How do you explain that? And they all went to their deaths. No one said, you know what, the story really wasn't true. We all kind of hung together and made it up. They all went to their deaths proclaiming the story's absolutely true. And the story goes viral. The story goes from Jerusalem to in a few short hundred years, 1,500 miles to Rome. 
The very city that condemned Jesus on a cross now is the city that makes it a state religion. How do you explain that? So either he did or he didn't. I think there's one more confirmation in the whole story. I think that's you. I think you're part of the greatest confirmation of this story. Because you've tried to change. You've tried to clean up. You've tried to do better. And you are still stuck exactly where you were. But when you met Christ, when Jesus became the hope of glory inside of you, things began to change. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us this. Hebrews 13 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, look look what he does. He equips you. He equips you with everything good for doing his will. I think one of the greatest pieces of evidence in this room today is you. Go back four years ago when you accepted Christ. Four years ago, you had an anger issue. You're still angry, but you're not as angry. Four years ago, you had an alcohol problem. You still need to struggle with that, but, but you don't struggle like you did four years ago. Four years ago, you were not very courageous, but today you've become more secure in who you are. You wouldn't forgive, and today you've forgiven. You were bitter, today you're not bitter. Think about what Christ has done inside of you. He has equipped you for every good service. There's been a breakout, not just from the grave, but the breakout that's taking place inside of you. You are a living testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Because before Christ, you couldn't clean yourself up. You tried. You still had the same hurts, habits, hang-ups, addictions, problems. But when Christ entered your life, see, you're a testimony. You're a living testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, if you're in category one, two, or three, I want to suggest you move to category four and go all in. You go all in, and you give your life to Christ, and you let Christ come in, cleanse you, free you, forgive you, transform you, change you. You give your life to Christ, and Christ's going to take over. So if if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to go all in. If you are a Christian, you lean in. You lean in. You lean in. Okay, I don't pray so well, so I lean into that. Okay, I don't know the Bible very well. I, I lean into that. All right, I really don't know how to do this very well. So I, and do you think if you lean into God, he's not going to reel you in? Of course he is. Because Christ is in you the hope of glory. And so if you're not a Christian, I, I can't encourage you enough to come up with this decision. He did or he didn't. You see, to me, can you imagine if you know in your heart of hearts that he did and you don't go all in, you're going to regret your life at the end. I've seen it hundreds of times. But I've also seen thousands of people at that moment just before death, and no one has ever regretted going all in for Christ. No one has ever regretted, I'm all in, I'm yours, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I'm your boy, I'm your girl. So step number one is to lean in. Step number one is to go all in. Step number two is to lean in. 
So I told you I was going to give you a chance to become a Christian. We're going to put what's called the salvation prayer on the screen. Um, We're going to offer that to you right now for you to give your life to Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, this is your opportunity. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down front at, at this time. And we've got beach baptisms coming up April the 19th, Sunday afternoon. That's another all-in step to identify with the greatest event in all of history, Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. So I want to encourage you to go out to the Connect desk and sign up for a baptism. But right now, let's stand. Let's have our prayer partners come down front. And if you give your life to Christ and you want special prayer today, you come down front and you get prayed for and prayed over. We're going to say this out loud together. This is for those of you that have never given your life to Jesus. And we're all here to lean in with you on this. Okay? So let's all say this out loud together. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I am so grateful that you are able and willing to forgive me of all my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God And at this moment, I give my whole life to you. Thank you for allowing me to become a Christian and live with you forever. Amen. If you did that this morning, praise God. Praise God. Praise the King. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Come down front. Tell somebody. Let them pray with you and pray for you and pray over you. I'm going to close this in prayer. And I've been asked to ask you to go out the side doors. The lobby is jammed, packed. Sorry for those of you in the lobby that didn't make it in here. Next time you'll come a little earlier, won't you? No, I'm just kidding. Just just kidding. Just kidding. It's our humor. But I'm asking, let me pray for you. And then when you go in the parking lot, be nice. Let's pray. Jesus, we worship you today. We honor you. You are the Messiah. In your name we pray. Amen.